Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Good morning, and let's say hi to Julie Weisenhorn from the hey, University hey, of Minnesota Extension. Morning. You and I were talking. Good morning, Mary. It's good to see you <laughs> Thank again. Thank you. Uh, we were both kind of disbelief. <laughs> I know. And are we starting our seventh season seventh of the show? Seventh year, yeah. Wow. Yeah. We were just kids. <laughs> we're still trying you to were. figure this whole thing out. But that's amazing. Uh, yeah. Time does fly. I know. It really does. I know it. It's, well, it's incredible. Good. It's good to have Julie back in studio. It's good to have you as our listeners uh, asking your lawn or garden questions of Julie. And you can do it by phone or by text. Yes. Um, and this show, thanks to our good friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture, sponsor the show every week. We really appreciate that. Great family-run business, and we'll talk about that in uh, just a matter of uh, minutes or so. So thanks to the folks that buy the yard. Yeah. And Good thanks to you. Them. Yeah. And we can't do the show without your questions either. Yeah. Well, we could, but we'd be Listeners. tap dancing a lot. Woohoo. Yeah. 651-989-9226. We've cleared the line. So if you do have any kind of a lawn or garden question, you know, we tend to get busy here. So uh, call in or text in. Phone again, 651-989-9226. Again, the text is 81807. Texter already, they're getting text messages, Julie. Uh, are magnolia trees or bushes hard to grow in Minnesota? No, they're actually, uh, we have a lot of varieties that are uh, available and grow well in Minnesota. We have a publication on our extension site about magnolias, and it has a list of a number of different cultivars and varieties that you can grow. So that's a, that's a great resource. Uh, also, I highly recommend that this spring you head out to the Arboretum when the, when the magnolias are blooming because it's, it, it's unbelievable what how gorgeous those trees are they're just beautiful and they have very interesting buds in the winter too so they actually give you some winter interest mm. yeah i used to have mm-hmm. but it was too close to the house i remember it was that usually planted happens. wrong yeah the wrong yeah. place but That's so yeah they're they're uh did you say there are other options? I mean, there are other varieties of those? or Yeah, there's uh, and different sizes. There's a yellow magnolia. There's a pink magnolia. I'm, I'm not thinking of what the uh, cultivars are, but take a look at the, at the publication, and then also be sure to get out to the Arboretum. St. Paul Campus, too, if you live near the St. Paul Campus, we have gorgeous uh, blooming magnolias in the spring on our campus. Okay, you can kind of practice going to the state fairgrounds. Perfect. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Find your place That's to park. Before you know. <laughs> oh, my. It will be around before you know it. All right. Text, by the way, text number 81807. Here's a text. If you want to start in with straw bale gardening, can you use hay bales or are straw bales required? How about straw bales gardening as a topic for some show? Well, straw bale gardening is a... Uh, uh, 
kind of hot topic. Uh, Joel Karsten, who's a graduate of the University of Minnesota, is an author of an excellent book on how to do straw bale. And he, uh, in his latest uh, edition, he added a section on how to make your own bales out of various things uh, like yard waste. So I would uh, defer to Joel on that and uh, and defer to his book on how to do that. I did do straw bale gardening. I got eight straw bales in my Highlander. That was pretty interesting, <laughs> driving down the road. But um, but it is there is a technique to doing it, to priming the straw bales so that uh, – that they make a good growing bed and uh, and then also that they start breaking down. The nice thing about them is at the end of the year, you just bust up the bales and compost them. Hmm. So it's it's easy to do. And you can do straw bales on hardscape like asphalt. You can set them up there and or on a, a mulched area. That's what we did in the display garden for the kids. So And uh, I grew peppers and beans and all sorts of different things in it. So, But take a look at that book. That's a great book. Uh, Joel Karsten, K-A-R-S-T-E-N is the last name. And that's probably the best book that I know about, uh, that I've read about strawberry. Mm, interesting. By the way, there's a line open if you want to talk to Julie by phone, 651-989-9226. We are getting more text messages. A texter says, love onions, but never have luck growing them. I've used sets and starts. They just sit without any growth. Yeah, they're uh, onions. uh, Again, we have a publication on the extension site about that. I'm not a very good onion grower either. I don't have a whole lot of luck with that. Spring onions might be a better thing to try, and those are little green like scallions. Um, Maybe try those, and and, um, uh, they don't have to get so big. And unless you have uh, the right uh, type of soil and... uh, and a good open space, and you plant them properly. They, you know, they kind of sit slightly above the soil. Um, they're a bulb, and uh, the sets are a good way to go. But um, like I said, I, I'm not an expert in onions, so that's a, that's a tough one. But take a look at the publication because that does give you some some information about it. Well, I mentioned earlier that uh, given the uh, warmer temperatures th- this week, slowly but surely, we're going to see more of our lawns. <laughs> like baby 40. <laughs> and yeah, that's <laughs> all relative, isn't it? Woo, heat yeah. wave. Please explain, Texter says, what the numbers on the fertilizer bags represent. Uh, the numbers, you might see a fertilizer bag that says 10 0, 15 for your lawn. Uh, the 10 is the percent of nitrogen, N, the number, the letter N. If you think back to your... Uh, a periodic table of elements from uh, from science class and chemistry. N is uh, the symbol for nitrogen. P, which uh, we kind of refer to it as phosphorus, but it's actually um, it's actually uh, phosphate. Mm. Uh, that is uh, uh, that's the middle number. And in lawn fertilizer, for example, you will see a zero because we have a phosphorus law here in Minnesota that. Uh, we cannot purchase lawn fertilizer with any phosphorus in it. And the third uh, letter is K for potassium or potash, and that is, uh, so that would be 15%. So 10 0, 15 means 10% nitrogen, 0% uh, phosphorus, and uh, 15% potassium okay. or potash. People will be purchasing those pretty yeah. soon. And the one thing is people will say, well, that doesn't add up to be 100% because the rest of it is carrier which it's, is it's a it could be something like a, a clay or a, oh, okay. almost like a uh, it's something that just carries the the other stuff just to distribute yeah okay let's go back to the phones uh, Julie Steve in Monticello is first up here Steve you're on with Julie 
All righty. I just called about the straw bale gardening. I've been doing it for quite a few years. Oh, great. And it works good. It does. I mean, it's it like does. your plants are on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Well, they heat up, and, and those bales heat up, and so they, uh, they warm up those seeds pretty quick or those transplants. But I just had one thing to say. You said that throw the bales away after you use them the first year. Mm-hmm. And I always put my potatoes in the bales oh, when great. they're two years old. That's a good and idea. because They come out fantastic, and they're not dirty. Yep. They, they do a real good job. And then the third year, you know, when I'm done with that, then we compost them, and my wife uses them in her uh, flower garden after they've finished composting. Right. That's great. Yeah, that's a great way to use those because the bales, if you buy the bales, they, you know, you're paying some money for them. So if you can use them a couple of years, that's terrific. All right. Good going, Steve. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. That's great. I know like to... you've been successful at it. Yeah. Quick break is, is in store here in a second. But uh, Texas says, what's the proper way to cover exposed roots and to get grass to grow again in that area? Cover hmm. exposed roots of like tree roots, I wonder. I don't know, that doesn't say. Maybe you could text back a little more detail. Yeah, <laughs> do that, 81807. Lynn and Rogers, hang on. You're going to be first up when we come back. 651-989-9226. Uh, or send a text, as I said, 81807. Skies are fair. Twin City temperature reading 15, going for 32 later today. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhardt from the University of Minnesota Extension. I had to untangle my headphones. <laughs> yeah, don't step on them. Uh, we have a, a, a call, uh, I'm sorry, a line open if you want to call in your garden question, lawn or garden question, 651-989-9226. So Lynn is calling from Rogers with a question. Thanks, Lynn. What is your question for Julie? Hi, Julie. I've been Hello. growing gladiolas for years. Yes. In the past two years, they get the buds on them, but the buds don't open up and they turn brown. Is there something I can do to prevent that? Oh, boy, that's a good question. I'm actually looking on our extension site. We have a publication on growing gladiolas. And I, to be honest, have never grown them before. I, I just saw them the other day and I was like, I should try those just to help answer questions about them. But I'm just I'm seeing if there's any pests that... Uh, uh, one thing is recommended is to rotate your gladiola bulbs. Do you move them around the garden? I do. Okay. Okay. That's good. Maybe, uh, actually if, if there's any callers or listeners who are gladiola grower, growers and have any ideas because I'm not coming up with anything. Oh, I bet this. we will. Yeah. So maybe, uh, it, I'm guessing it's some kind of a pest or maybe a virus that might be an issue. Well, Lynn, why don't you uh, yeah. just keep listening? Yeah, keep listening, Lynn, and we'll see if anybody out there is a gladiola grower. Uh, we have a lot a of great yeah. listeners that yeah. uh, will come and that's up with something. That's a very popular, popular yeah. bulb. So keep corm, listening. Technically a corm. Thanks, Lynn. Keep listening. Thanks. Thanks for your Sorry question. Sorry about that. Boy, so, I've been skunked on the, <laughs> on the, gladiola on the gladiolas issue. and the onions today. Should <laughs> so I? Those storage units. <laughs> Here's a text, Julie. Should I leave well-mulched leaves under my lilac shrubs or remove them in the spring? Is there any nutrient value left? Well, certainly uh, well-mulched leaves, as long as they're not packing down. Uh, sometimes we leave leaves and over the winter they get very wet and they pack down and they become this kind of layer. But if they've been chopped up or uh, they're loose and light and allowing air to flow to uh, 
and, and water to get into the soil, then, yeah, you can just leave them there as a mulch. That's fine. They'll break down over the season and, and add uh, organic matter to your soil. If you have a text, 81807. Uh, here's another one, Julie. Have you, uh, Dave is asking, have you ever heard uh, anything on how the maple syrup season is doing? I think it's doing great. I have a friend up in Bemidji, uh, and he is uh, delighted with the results up there. Mm. And, and also out at the Arboretum, I was reading in the the uh, newsletter that this is a great season for it because we have these very cold nights yeah. and these warmer days. And that's what you need. You need the, the cold nights to sweeten up that sap and then the warm days get it flowing. Uh, here's a texter, Julie, that's asking about blueberry plants. When to fertilize and acidify and with what? Well, you'll want to do a soil test first uh, so that you know uh, where you're standing from a pH standpoint. And blueberries grow in about 6.2 or 6.0, somewhere around there, um, maybe down to even 5.5. Um, so they really they need some acidic soil. Um, in, in the metro area, because we have a limestone uh, uh, substrate for our soil, we have tend to have higher uh, pH soil uh, around the metro, central Minnesota, and southern Minnesota. When you get up into the arrowhead, uh, you get more acidic soil because it has a different uh, uh, foundation under the soil as far as mm. the rock foundation. Um, so you need to do a soil test, and one of the recommendations for blueberries is you can amend your soil, but you're going to have to do it every single year, and you're going to have to... Uh, determine and, and take that soil test and then amend it uh, with a sulfur, elemental sulfur, uh, and then feed those uh, blueberries with a product like muracid, which is a uh, fertilizer for acid-loving plants like azaleas, blueberries, etc. And, uh, and otherwise, if you don't, you're going to end up with uh, plants that become very yellow, and uh, we call it it's iron chlorosis. It's a, it, the inability of the plant to take up the iron because of the pH and um, so you'll want to do that when they're early in the spring, when they're starting to leaf out, is uh, take that soil test as soon as you can and then amend that soil uh, accordingly to the soil test to lower that pH. The other option is to plant your blueberry plants in containers and plant them in peat. Uh, you can also amend your garden soil with peat as well, too. So uh, you can do that and treat them as a, a container shrub. And then overwinter them in a garage, and you know, and uh, if you have a slightly heated garage or cool garage, or uh, buy them every year and plant them as an annual type uh, type of crop. So, it's it's hard in the Twin City area to grow blueberries successfully. So mm. uh, I always admire the blueberry growers around the area who are able to do it. Yeah. So it's something. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. If you want to phone in your lawn or garden question or send a text eight one eight zero seven. Jane is calling from Prior Lake, I believe. Jane, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I have. We have. um, We live in the country. We planted a large garden last year. We put um, chicken wire around it to keep rodents out. But okay. something was eating it. <laughs> uh, you'd go to pick a tomato, and it would look like a human had actually taken a bite out oh, of it. Oh, yeah. 
Probably probably chipmunks. How about raccoons? Or raccoons. Chipmunks tend to take one bite out of something and then leave the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They never just take take a tomato and eat the whole thing and be done. So they eat in moderation like I should be Yeah, they take a bite here and a bite (laughs) there, and they wind up ruining quite a bit of your fruit. Same with – they'll do the same thing with strawberries. So um, it's hard with fencing because they can just climb right over the fencing. Um, but continue to fence it because that will keep rabbits out and other animals that can't climb over that fencing as well. Um, as far as what to do about it, it's I think uh, maybe a little bit higher fence might help hmm. uh, just to make it a little more challenging for them. Um, if you can do any kind of uh, a rep- hmm. them uh, around your plants, uh, that's a possibility too. And... Um, uh, maybe fencing the um, the plants themselves so that they're, it's a little bit more difficult to get to the fruit uh, versus just a big fence around the whole garden that gives them lots of room to run around inside of the garden. So it's uh, chipmunks are tough, so are squirrels as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right, Jane, thank you. Some advice there. <laughs> we have another half hour of the show to go. Julie Weisenhorn in studio from the University of Minnesota Extension, and your calls and your text messages. One line is open if you want to fill it, 651-989-9226. Text number, and we'll pick up on those, too, 81807. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of our Smart Garden Show, brought to us every Saturday by our friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture down there in Jordan, Minnesota. Thank you. you. Can find them this weekend at the, this is the final weekend of the Home of Garden Show. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, at the convention center. But by the yard's going to be there as usual. Check out that furniture we've Time told you about for years. Wow. All right, Julie, we we're going to put you back to work. We All have right. a lot of callers and a lot Let of texters. Let's see who has been waiting. It would be Donald in West St. Paul. First up here, Donald, what's your question? I have two avocado trees that are about six or seven years old. They're three and a half to four feet tall. They have a lot of leaves. And I don't know if I put them in bigger pots, they're going to be hard to get in the house in the right. winter time. I take them out in the summer, so I'm wondering what I should do with them. Uh, well, I, at some point they'll have to go into bigger pots. Okay. So uh, the best thing to do, I, I find that I have a Meyer lemon tree that's quite large, and I, first of all, chose a plastic pot for it. Um, certainly there's a lot of great clay pots, but of course they get heavier. And, um, if you're, it kind of depends on if you just like them for the ornamental value, which is really about all we can expect, I think in Minnesota, I don't know if they, uh, would even fruit here, but, uh, if, if you continue to want to grow them, you're ultimately going to have to transplant them into something larger. You can use things like there's some, um, I don't know what the name of the product is, but it's, uh, it's like a sling for pots, hmm. and you need two people, and you have handles, but it, it fits around the pot, and you can then lift the pot and move it. So if you're moving it into the house or something, you can put it on a, a little dolly that helps once you get it in the house so you can move it around. That helps uh, as well for moving it. And you're going to need a big sunny window for them as well, or at least uh, some supplemental light from a grow light. Okay. Some advice there. Thanks, Donald. Marion is calling from Crystal. Marion, you're on with Julie. Hi, Julie. Good morning. I have uh, three amaryllis bulbs, and two of them are are ready to bloom. I'm oh, nice. late bringing them out of the basement. But the third one, the biggest bulb, is just leaves. 
So should I just give up on that one, or should I tr- keep it going for and try for another season? I would keep it going if the leaves are big and green and healthy. Uh, then in the summer, put it outside. And it may bloom in the summer, actually, but... Um, but and then I would take it back in and and just kind of keep it going. Those leaves are going to photosynthesize and add nutrition to that bulb. So um, if the bulb is healthy and firm and and large, then then I would keep it keep it growing. Okay, six five. Thanks, Marion. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six is the phone number, or send a text. We have a bunch of those eight one eight zero seven. Ed is calling in from Fridley. Ed, you're on CCO with Julie. Morning, Julie. Morning. I have a dwarf Harrelson apple tree that's been in our yard for probably 25 years. Oh, nice. And I noticed that this year uh, some branches, their bark is turning gray, and actually some birds are, are peeling it off. must be bugs mm. below it. Is this something that shows that the tree is about at its end of its life? Well, it's it, it shows that it's you've got some issues on that particular branch. And, and you're right that there probably are some insects that are below it. Um, that could also be squirrels that are peeling off that bark too. And uh, and I would just keep an eye on that, that branch. And if that branch is dead, then uh, you'll want to prune that off. Um, you could probably still do it uh, if you wanted to do some pruning on it. We're getting kind of late into the season. Uh, we typically recommend that you prune, you know, in March or so. But because we've got such cold weather right now, you could probably still uh, get away with it in the next day or two. Um, but, yeah, it's when you start to see that happening, and especially if you start to see woodpeckers and other animals that are in there, you know, looking for insects, there could be something going on in that branch. Okay. 20 but, years is pretty good. Yeah, it is. Thanks, Ed. Mike in Litchfield is uh, next on the phone. Mike, what's your question for Julie? Uh, good morning. The question I have, I have about two acres that I put nothing but pumpkins in. Okay. And I'm looking for something to control the weeds, especially when it gets to the fall. I can till it and continue to till it until they vine out. And then after that, it just is not enough time to try to pull all the weeds by hand. And I'm wondering if there's something that could, I could put on to begin with and then uh, plant my pumpkins. And then hopefully I can control the weeds a little bit that way. Uh, well, the are you planting transplants or are you planting seeds? Seeds. Okay. So the difficulty with that is is that if you put down a pre-emergent, that pre-emergent could deter your seeds from germinating, your uh-huh. pumpkin seeds. And the pre-emergent is going to affect any kind of annual weed seeds that are the you know they're going to prevent them from germinating. So that's one tactic. But then you have you might if you want to start those pumpkins ahead of time so that you're putting transplants in the ground instead of seeds. That mm-hmm. might be one way around that. You could start those seeds probably pretty soon here. Um, and so that's one idea. The other one, because you have two acres, that's a lot, but you could put down a, a some kind of a landscape fabric that would prevent okay. the weeds from growing through, a weed barrier. But that's okay. but that's a that's big a expense, and that's a lot of work. <laughs> that is. I tried a little bit of that mm-hmm. just down the road, but it, it killed the weed just came up. Yeah, yeah, so... So those are probably, uh, other than that, you could also not till the soil. Uh, when you till, you turn weed seeds up from underneath the soil, and they become exposed, and that will cause them to germinate also. So tilling, uh, if you know, if you, you might just till the area that you're just going to plant the seeds in or the transplants. Maybe it's just a row, uh, but leave the rest of it alone. And uh, um, 
and, and try that, too. That would prevent some of those weed seeds that are buried from being exposed and germinating. If I put down a pre-emerge ahead of time and, and wait, like, for two weeks or then plant seed, will that help? I don't think so. I'm not really sure. You'd have to look at the package uh, and read the label, and it will tell you how soon then you could plant seed after that. But to the best of my knowledge, we just don't recommend a pre-emergent if you're going to do any kind of seeding. It's a lot of weeding, two acres. It's a lot of weeding, yeah, yeah, definitely. Good luck, Mike. And hard to weed around those big vines, too. If you have a, a, a question, a lawn or garden question via text, eight, uh, that number is 81807. Here's one, Julie. I have a hibiscus tree that I let go dormant. When should I start watering it and getting it out of the dark and how to feed it? Well, if it's a hibiscus and uh, if it's a tropical hibiscus versus a hardy hibiscus, uh, you could take that out any time. And, uh, in fact, you can grow it year-round in your house. Uh, you put it outside, you know, in the summer, so you don't really need it to go dormant. Uh, if it's a perennial hibiscus, I would get that in the ground and not uh, be growing that actually in a container necessarily. But you could grow it in a container, I suppose, um, but I don't know how successful it would be for it to go dormant and then bring it out of dormancy. But I, I think in either case, I would take it out right now. I just thought of something. We haven't mentioned the website Hey, yet. the website, yeah. And actually, in the website, if you're thinking about vegetables, we've got some terrific website, uh, some videos. We've been doing a lot of video lately. Um, there's one that Michelle Grabowski, our plant pathologist, is doing on starting healthy transplants. Um, Annie Claude, who's our new uh, extension educator in fruit and vegetable, has done some uh, apple tree pruning videos. Also done some great uh, writing up about uh, what to be doing in April for your vegetable garden. So, and there's a public, there's a video of me and uh, my uh, my little cousin Avery, and we're starting seeds together, doing what's called the ragdoll method, which is a, something you do to test uh, test seeds for germination, and then you can also plant them, get them started. So, uh, it, the website is extension.umn.edu. Click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden. All right, we'll mention that again before yeah, Julie Check out takes the Yard and Garden News. That's where a lot of these videos are. Great. Texter, and we've heard this before, a texter says, I pour my leftover coffee on my <laughs> houseplants. Is that okay? It's okay, but don't uh, over, don't be careful not to overwater, over coffee your plants because uh, that's the biggest cause of root rot in houseplants. No so, kidding. Yeah. It's just the moisture or the caffeine? The, well, the moisture. <laughs> it's the moisture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Had to clarify that. Yeah, a lot of plants suffer from that. <laughs> if you want to send a text, 81807. Here's another one, Julie. Uh, what's the best fertilizer to put in flower beds before putting in bedding plants? You can put in a balanced fertilizer, uh, and you're right to mix it in before you actually put in the bedding plants. It's harder to amend that soil with and to add that fertilizer afterwards. So putting it in first, uh, turning it into the soil slightly, and then putting in your transplants is a good uh, practice. But a balanced fertilizer, which is where all three of those numbers are equal, like a 10-10-10 or a 20-20-20, uh, you could also do, if you haven't done a soil test for about three to five years, it's a good thing to do that too to get a baseline for where you are with your soil. We had a little clarification that you requested about the, the what you thought incorrectly was exposed tree roots. Oh, yes, yes. And as far as growing grass, you guys get that question all the time. Yeah, and uh, the first thing is is not to cover up the tree roots. Uh, don't put soil on them. Don't bury them. You could put some mulch on, a thin, a thin amount of mulch on there. But those tree roots are supposed to be exposed. 
Uh, as far as the difficulty in mowing around them, uh, to be honest, I wouldn't try growing any grass around big tree roots like that. I would mulch that area and I would plant it with shade perennials or perennials that are suitable for the amount of light that you have. Uh, to try to mow around those, you're just asking for trouble because your mower can uh, damage those tree roots and then you open up a wound and then you could potentially have some infection or you could have insects that invade that wound and, and you get a lot bigger problem on your hands than just trying to mow around tree roots. So mulch around those big roots and if you really want, if you don't like the way the mulch looks just open, just plain, add in some perennials that are shade perennials or suitable to the light. Texter says, can you tell me what the beautiful tall grasses are that you see that are very delicate and pale goldish color, the tops of very fine plumage? You see, I see those off the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, they're probably they're... a miscanthus. Uh, they are um, they're a hardy plant. They do spread by uh, their rhizomatous, meaning that they spread by uh, uh, surface roots. And uh, and so they need a very large place to grow. And uh, and there are a lot of different cultivars of miscanthus, too, that offer lots of different kinds of great um, uh, seasonal interest year-round. I would recommend going up to the Ornamental Grass Collection at the Arboretum if you're interested in grasses because Mary Meyer, who's also on the show, she'll be back mm-hmm. in May. Uh, she uh, has some fantastic varieties up there. They're just gorgeous, gorgeous grasses, and it's really an amazing place to go, especially toward the end of summer when the grasses are all in full bloom and they're full grown. Wow, it's 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 really dramatic. And uh, you get some good ideas walking around the Arboretum looking at the different grasses that are planted and mm. especially at the grass collection. Neat, that Arboretum. Uh, five, Highway 5, go west on 5 mm-hmm. to 41 roughly. You'll right, see that sign. Right, open there, 364 days a year. I think they're only closed on Christmas Day. What a place. Yeah, it's a really, we are so lucky in Minnesota to have the Arboretum. And that's the University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum. It is, indeed. All right, Julie, hang on. We'll take a a bit of a break. You're more show to come. We'll pick up on your phone calls, and we've got a bunch of text messages we'd like to answer as well. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show, presented every Saturday here in the 8 o'clock hour <laughs> by our Saturday. friends at Whether you by like the it or yard. not. <laughs> by, as I was saying, by the yard patio furniture. We thank them for that. All right, Julie, let's see. We've got, uh, we're going to do kind of a lightning round. All right. So go for it. You've got control of that screen. I have control. <laughs> We've got some great suggestions here from people. I love reading what people put up here. Um Okay, so on the chipmunks thing, we've got uh, somebody who puts mothballs to deter chipmunks, rabbits. It's cheap and works like a charm. Mary from Minnetonka. This is about the question about the chipmunks eating one bite out of your tomatoes. Chipmunks can easily go through chicken wire. So, yes, so you'd want to use like a hardware cloth. Uh, That will help. Uh, Dave is recommending electrifying the top of the fence to keep critters out. Um, you don't need it to be as powerful as for deer, so (laughs) use the lesser, uh, and then dusting fruit with cornstarch. Most animals don't like this, but it won't hurt the plant or the fruit. In Southwest Minnesota, we put electric fences around our sweet corn gardens, two strands of wire, not so tall, so you can step over it. So those are all really good suggestions. And then the gladiola question, we had some good, uh, advice here. Uh, don't plant the glads too deep. Also, too much water will cause the buds to brown. So you may have a drainage issue. You might want to amend your soil um, and uh, increase the drainage so that you have well-drained soil. Uh, another idea is uh, you may have thrips, which are tiny, tiny insects, 
and uh, put the bulbs in a solution of Hylix and water in the fall before removing them from the soil. Leave on for maybe overnight. Leave in for maybe overnight. Do the same treatment again before replanting. Dry well before putting in storage. Uh, uh, She had the same problem, or this person had the same problem when they first started planting glads. Got this information from someone who sells glads at the farmer's market, and it has worked for them. Um, Let's see. What else did somebody else ask? I think that's it for the past questions. So let's look at some of these other uh, questions people have. Sure. Um, it's looking to me like, um, let's see, somebody is asking about, let's look at pruning because there's a number of pruning questions. Um, I can never remember which of my hydrangea to cut back and which ones grow on old stems, any rule of thumb. So, uh, you will want to know what kind of hydrangea you have, and then, uh, you can take a look at that, um, we have a publication on pruning shrubs, and I think that there's a publication on, um, uh, it's the, the uh, paniculata hydrangeas you can cut back. Uh, some of the macrophylla come on new wood, like the endless summer, which comes supposedly comes on both new and wood and old wood. Um, and uh, so you'll need to know which kind it is. But in most cases with the hydrangeas, you can prune them back to an active bud, when a bud that's starting to open, and, um, and uh, that will take care of it. Then if anything new comes up, then um, you'll be able to, uh, you know, tr- prune it appropriately. What, when pruning trees, uh, what should I put on exposed wood after branches are gone? You don't have to put anything on the exposed wood. Uh, in fact, we found that any kind of wound paint, latex paint, is actually detrimental to the plant healing. The only time you would ever use it is if you have to prune a tree in an, in an inappropriate time of year, such as you have a, a wind damage to something like an oak in the summer and in the time when it's high risk for oak wilt, then you would use wound paint or latex paint over that. But in, in 99% of the time, you don't use any kind of wound paint over it. Uh, would you damage the very fine little roots in between the big roots of the trees if you try to plant shade flowers and plants? So this is in uh, response to the to mulching and mowing between tree roots. You can damage a few of those roots a little bit. Um, certainly you're going to want to be careful when you're planting so that you're not damaging the larger roots that are there. But uh, the tree can lose a few of those. You're not going to be digging these mega monstrous holes. You're going to be tucking in plants into those roots and and allowing them then to grow in between the smaller, finer roots. So to answer your questions, uh, you might damage a few, but not not that many. Can I still prune my lilacs? You can prune your lilacs, but you'll be pruning off flower buds at this point. You want to prune lilacs and any spring-blooming shrubs about within about a couple of weeks after they bloom. The sooner, the better. So right now, if you prune those lilacs, you won't have much for flowers. Is it too late to trim a river birch? No, you can prune it now. Uh, note that it, the sap will run, and, uh, and so just be aware of that. Uh, where would I be able to get honey crisp trees to plant in our yard? Talk to your local garden center. Is it too late to prune trees now like maples and honey locusts? I don't believe so. Honey locusts have a special time of pruning, and I'm not really sure what that is. But you could prune your maples now. Uh, here's someone who suggested for the uh, pumpkin grower, I put grass clippings around pumpkin plants once they're up to control weeds. That's great. Uh, someone else has said uh, the first year they put plastic sandwich bags around each apple on their tree. So this is about protecting apples from apple maggots and coddling moths and other pests. 
Uh, and any suggestions for guaranteed success? Well, there's no guarantee success. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no guarantees. But there is a great publication on Apple Pest Management, and I would say rec- I would recommend looking at that. There is a, a – with those plastic bags, you do want to actually snip off a corner so that water will flow out of there if it gets in. And then you want to actually staple on either side of the stem uh, to keep that bag zipped closed and use a zipping bag kind of thing. So um, – but, yeah, take a look at that pest management. And actually the the blueberry grower, too, we have a good publication on blueberries as well. So uh, remember that site is extension.umn.edu and click on the garden tab, go to yard and garden, and that you should be able to find um, some good uh, good information there. We have, boy, we've got about 60 Woo! seconds to go. and take a breath now. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I, 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 apologies to our callers who just called in. We're just about out of time. Yeah. And there's no way we can get your question asked right. and answered. But it is about apple trees, Clarence. And take a look at that uh, publication on growing apples in Minnesota. I think you'll probably get your answer. And for those that maybe have yet to check out the website, I mean, yes. there's so many. I, I was going to ask you, what can we find on the website? We don't have time enough. No, for you to publications, attempt. diagnostic tools, videos, yard and garden mm. news blog, all sorts of great things. And it, and it's getting very active right now because it's that time of year. And one of these days, you or and your colleagues will probably have uh, maybe uh, Dr. John or maybe Sam Bauer back yes. to talk about the, lawns the, as well. The, Turf gurus, yes, yeah. we're we're coming into that season as soon as the snow melts. Yeah, which <laughs> I think don't is gonna, do anything to your lawns. We're right gonna now. we're gonna add to it tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow night, and maybe a little Monday, but it will be uh, probably disappearing quickly this week. Right? Uh, are we going to be seeing you next week? Or uh, I'm not sure. Gonna, not Teresa sure. I think I'm back week. on the 28th. All right. Well, one way or the other, we'll have a garden show. Yeah, there'll garden be somebody show here. Sure. All right, Julie. Teresa. Good to see Julie Thank again. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.